We welcome you to this edition of the official Titans podcast, better known as the OTP. My name is Mike Keith, joined by Amy Wells. Hello, Mike. Titans Radio's Dave McGinnis. Hey, Mike Keith. And from TitansOnline.com, senior writer, editor, Jim Wyatt. Mike Keith, glad to be here. Jim Wyatt has a lot of papers spread out. Yeah, good He's great, preparing Mike. for the Broncos. I gave him some, some data this morning, uh, a look at the Titans' new roster. I do rosters for, for obviously for both teams, but the Titans' new sort of look based on the changes to the main roster and to the practice squad. There have been some changes in different ways. Obviously, Dalen Dawkins stays on here, but uh, the print that we use for his name changes because he's on the active roster. So he goes from practice squad to active roster. David Quisenberry flips the other way. Quisenberry was on the active roster, and now he's on the practice squad. But the Titans have a new kicker, Dave McGinnis. They say goodbye to Cairo Santos after an 0-for-4 performance which you said was the first in 22 years since Cole Ford for the Raiders? Is yes. 1997? Yeah, it's, it's a club you don't want to be in. No. no. I mean, it's it's a club you don't want. But look, that, that's the life of a kicker in the National Football League. I mean, these guys really uh, exist in a different orbit than any of the other players in the National Football League. I mean, there's a select, there's a select group of them. And, and kickers, I mean, we've been, been really blessed since I've been involved with this organization with some really stable kickers, some real stability to, to, to kickers. And a lot of, you know, this goes on around the league a lot. Once you get into that carousel of kickers, I mean, it, it rotates and, and they're like golfers. I mean, you know, if you follow the PGA Tour at all, sometimes you see the best golfers in the world start hitting that thing miles deep into the woods. You know, they lose their swing. They, they, they lose their confidence. Uh, it becomes a mental thing. And, uh, you know, somebody else has to come in. And, and it was the right move. I don't think anybody saw it coming. I mean, because you couldn't see it coming because Carlos Santo- Santos was very accurate in practices. Mm-hmm. He was very accurate in games other than missing one kick. I remember watching him in Jacksonville in pregame, and he was kicking them from 62, 63 yards through the uprights. I mean, uh, so he had been very effective, but it went fast with him, uh, had a bad day, and, and everyone asking, well, why Cody Parkey? And the reason why, I think, is because that's who was in here with Santos. They're familiar with him. They'd had a workout with him. Uh, now his job is to come in here and get up to speed with Bo Brickley and get up to speed with Brett Kern and be ready to kick in um, in Denver on Sunday. You just don't want a question. That's the whole thing, and that's what the Titans haven't had. It's been like, we're in field goal range, go kick it. Whoever, Whether you're Al Del Greco or Joe Nedney or Rob Baronis or Ryan Suckup. It's like, go kick it. You don't think about it. This is your kicker. We're not changing kickers every week. You look around the league at all the kicker stories, and you kind of go, <laughs> we don't have a kicker story. When you do, oh, no, when you when do, you do yeah. it's not funny. It's, no, yeah. it's absolutely right. And I, you know, I, I heard Amy Wells say this, and she can say it again. I won't steal her line, but she's 100% right when she said that having a good kicker on your team both ways, kicking game is kind of like air you don't think about it till you don't have it and and she's right i mean she's a hundred percent right and and if you listen to what he said you know on his his exit you know when he when he was talking about what happened during the game he said the first one just didn't quite feel right then i started trying to adjust 
and again, I go back to the analogy: if any of you ever stood on it on a tee in, in a golf course when you're playing competitively, and you do, well, let me just tweak it just a hair, and all of a sudden everything goes off, and that's what happened. Well, and kickers are so regimented; they have their exact steps, the way they face. The way that they walk up to every single thing is the same every time. So when you start tweaking it in a game and you try to overcorrect or make an adjustment, sometimes you you go too far and then you've messed up your whole routine and it's like a castle of cards. It just crumbles down. We had Keith Bullock on the air with us on Tuesday night for Titans tonight, and he was talking about this situation from a player's point of view. And it seemed, and I'm reading in between the lines because he was being Keith Bullock, which was awesome, but it seems like from the team standpoint, from the other 52 guys on the roster, that if you're going to regain their confidence, it's hard to send this guy back out there into battle with them after that, that suddenly they've lost confidence in this player and it turns it in a very different direction in terms of their overall thinking about the game, and you can't let that happen if you're John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. Absolutely, because then every decision is predicated on can we trust this guy to make a play? Every guy on that field is trusting everyone else to do their job. When there's one guy that you can trust, then all of a sudden you're trying to do whatever you can so that guy's not on the field because you don't know if he's going to get the job done or not. So it changes the way that everybody approaches the game because now they're trying to do more than maybe they would have done, which would have been fine, but they're doing whatever they can to keep the kicker from needing to be on the field. And that's not a place that you want to be either. You need everybody to trust each other, to be confident that every phase of this game is going to go the way that it's planned to go so that guys can just focus on getting accomplished what they need to do. Yeah, yeah, players are going to support. They're going to support teammates all the time. But at the end of the day, this is professional football. you got a job to do. You got a job to do, and you doing your job depends on my livelihood too. That's just that's just life in the National Football League as a player and as a coach, because everything that you do is is, is vitally important. And Amy summed it up; it's exactly right. I mean, they'll support it, and they but at the same time, they need confidence in it. And I think Parkey is can step in here and do a good job. I mean, Denver's an interesting place to kick. It's a different place to kick. As part of me wondered if maybe Santos would be around for another week just because he had experience kicking in Denver. But Parkey does as well. And uh, uh, now, again, I think the key for him, and we talked about this when Santos came in, he's got to get on the same page with the specialist and, and have that down pat during the course of the week to be ready to go on Sunday. Parkey had a disastrous game last year in Detroit. He hit the upright four times, twice on extra points and twice on field goals. But his overall year was was solid. And then he had to kick in the playoff game, which the double doink, as it's called. Turns out it was tipped, which he, to his credit, he, he said nothing about it at the time. He felt like he hit the ball well. But you've, you try to bounce back from that. And this is a guy who's been a pro bowler at different times. He's seven of nine from 50 yards plus in his career. I, I mean, he was a player good enough in 2014 that Philadelphia traded to get him. 
Philadelphia made a deal to get him from Indianapolis. So, I mean, he has a lot of talent, Coach. Well, absolutely. He's got the requisite skills to do it, and he's done it. I mean, he's done it in, in NFL competition. And as I say, it's it's not an easy job, but if it's your job, that's your job. And so, yeah, yeah, he's got the requisite skills to do it, and he's going to get a chance to do it here, and, and we all want him to do it very well. And the irony about the trade that I refer to, he was dealt for – Oh, crap, Mike. I, I told remember. you. I know. Fluellen. Oh, he was Fluellen. traded for David Fluellen. <laughs> I knew it. Back in 2014. I done it. David Fluellen is part of the week's story in a different way because he's gone on injured reserve. And so the Titans, as we mentioned, promote Dalen Dawkins. And then they bring in Rod Smith. We saw Rod Smith last year in Dallas. Yes, we did. He is a big back who had a disappointing career at Ohio State. Uh, because of fumble problems, because of off-the-field problems. But at 6'3", 236, Rod Smith's a talent. He's a good pass catcher, and he's a good special teams player. Coach Mack, does he take the Fluellen role? I think he does. I mean, I, and I think that was their thinking, you know, when, the, when they did that. Of course, clearly with Flu going on the, going on the IR, and, you know, they needed somebody to fill that role. And this, again, and we, we've talked about this before on the podcast, you're, you're – personnel department is constantly looking at the league, looking at what's out there, churning your roster, because your roster is always fluid, you know, during the National Football League season. From the day the season starts till the end, it's amazing how many transactions are made if you really, really pay attention to it. If you're involved in it, like we are, you know, like, you know, daily and you look at it, I mean, there's a lot of transactions that go on. It's never, it's never a, 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 this is when we end training camp, this is who we're going to have all year. All right, let's talk about fans. We've talked about Jim White's mailbag on this uh, podcast more than once. How many do you do a week two? Do two. I used to do one just on Saturday, but sometimes coming off a Sunday game in the past, that's why I start. That's why I added a Tuesday to it. Coming off a Sunday game, you get so much feedback on Sunday night, Monday, that you really need a Tuesday to address it. You don't want the Saturday mailbag to be talking about the previous week's game. So that's why I added a Tuesday and then a Saturday and uh I haven't been able to get to them all. I mean, it's just been crazy, some of the feedback. And I get it, uh, enjoy the passion from this fan base, but they have been pouring in with great regularity. All right. One word to describe them overall. How about frustrated? I think so. I mean, and and there was frustration for a number of reasons on Sunday. Obviously, we've we've talked about Carol Santos and the kicking issues. We talked about the offensive line issues. Those have both been addressed. There was – several in there during the course uh, and Tuesday's mailback and I couldn't put them all in fans frustrated with other fans I mean the fact that people are selling their PSLs to fans of the opposing team we all know how many Buffalo fans were in there and it was kind of disgusting to see it to be honest with you somebody grew up in Nashville to see your stadium taken over with opposing teams fans people have a right to do what they want to with their tickets but certainly people that are titans fans that are going there the diehards they're the ones who are calling other fans out for selling their tickets and making their game day experience even worse than it should be not that the team's helping any (laughs) it didn't help on sunday all right let's talk about frustration with within a ball club because you know Everybody here at St. Thomas Sports Park is frustrated. They wanted to win that ball game. They thought they had a good plan. They prepared hard. Certainly, they were doing everything they can. Dave McGinnis, when you deal with frustration as a head coach or a coordinator or as a position coach, 
How do you get that out of the mix from your group or your unit or your entire team to where frustration doesn't cause you a problem in terms of the ball club being able to get over this function and get on to the next well, one? Well, the first thing you do is you address why you didn't win. I mean, you don't cover anything up, and that's, that's extremely important because in the National Football League, everything's out there. Everything's laid out there to see. Now, everybody might not understand the minutia that goes into it, but you do as a coach and as a, and as a player. When you get in there and start watching that tape, there's nothing that you can hide on that tape. And so they know, but you have to address it honestly, which they do. You address it honestly. And the other thing is, is the, it moves so fast. As bad as, as bad as we feel, and look, I, I've done this too, too long, as bad as you feel, and it's awful. I mean, it, it's crushing. It really is. I understand. It's crushing for players. It's crushing for coaches. It's crushing for everybody in this building. It's crushing for fans. But you have another game you have to get ready for, and if you let it bleed over into the, into the next week, you don't address what the problems are initially, you don't get the air cleared there, and then go out and start working and practicing on the things that you need to do to improve but also you got to get ready to play another game for a team that is just as desperate for a win as you are that's what you have to do but you got to address things honestly right from the jump right from the start that's what you do is it hard to be brutally honest with those guys no not at all and that's the uh, not at all and that, that that's that's what it is like with the offensive line i mean is it brutal honesty yes i mean it, this is a brutally honest business i mean because it is it it this is a, a results oriented a bottom line business okay now there are you reach a certain limit as there's only so much that you can do but as far as being brutally honest about what's going on i mean you're dealing with grown men i mean and you know as and we, as we talked about earlier in this segment, where everybody's job depends on everybody else, it has to be like that. There has to be there. There's immense accountability. It's a great, great life. It really is. But there's immense accountability to it. And and I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it because it's a hundred percent true. Every day in the National Football League, if you're involved in it, especially as a player and a coach, is an interview. Every day, you never have anything enough in the bank to not perform the next week. Is Mike Vrabel's maybe number one strength as a head coach how blunt he is? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. I mean, when I first came in the league, I worked for Mike Ditka. Nobody more blunt than Mike Ditka, I promise you, good and bad. And and you have to be. I mean, you, you cannot there there is there is no there is no overglossing anything in a football office. There is none. It doesn't benefit anybody to no. say, well, it wasn't as bad as it looked. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Fix it. I think a lot of the frustration that's happening, not only within this organization right now with the coaches and the players, but also with the fans, is that it's so hot and cold. Right. Coming off of such a big win in Atlanta, where we kind of did to the Falcons what the Bills did to the Titans. You know, we showed up in droves. We had a big party. We won, and it was really exciting. We come off of that huge game, and then we come back home, and things fall flat. You know, it's so one way or the other. You feel great coming out of Cleveland, and then you fall and lose it in a heartbreaker against the Colts. It's just up and down and up and down, and it makes people feel like when they just start to trust that the team is going to do well and this is going to be the season that we've all been waiting for, when it's let down, you feel like you were tricked a little bit. Yeah, and it's not one thing. I mean, what 
you know, what people want to know is how do you keep that from happening again? And it's a number of things. I mean, you got to get the offensive line fixed. Protection's got to be better. You know, you've got to get more consistent play out of your quarterback and, and some of the targets who drop some passes. As good as the defense has been, uh, it's still, I mean, it gave up a big play to set up a score and it couldn't get off the field late in the game in the fourth quarter. They would have given you a chance to get the ball back. We've talked about special teams. So it's ev- it's really everything. And you've got to figure out a way to get some of this stuff figured out or it's going to happen again. And I think what's frustrating is, you, is you're sitting at two and three. You've lost to both the teams in your division. You see Indianapolis go to Kansas City and win a game, and I don't think anybody thought that they would win. And at five games in, the outlook is, doesn't look very good. But it can change quickly in this league, and that's why you got to keep your composure. That's why you got you can't hang your head and sulk. You've got to figure out a way to get it fixed and win a football game and get to 3-3 three and three and hope you've got guys getting healthier and you potentially get some guys coming back off of NFI or injured reserve and then try to pick up some momentum because this is still early in October and this season's going to December. You don't throw in the towel and start looking ahead to 2020. There's still plenty of time to get this thing fixed, but it needs some things need to start getting fixed starting in about an hour on the practice field. All right, let's hit offense. If you're on the coaching staff, the offensive coaching staff, Coach Mack, how do you – how do you help these guys right now with an engine that's sort of sputtering and jerking? It starts, you know, three of the last six halves they haven't scored. In two of the halves they've scored just one touchdown. I mean, they've obviously had a, had a tough time. It's no secret. As a coach, where do you start? How do you help them during this week to get in some sort of rhythm. What well, it are you starts, on? you know, it starts, you know, individually. It starts with the individuals. The, you know, the people that aren't performing. You, you know, you find out why they're not. I mean, is it technique? Is it not understanding what's going on? Are you incapable of doing it? Which I don't think is the, you know, is the case at all because, you know, they're capable of doing it. We've seen them do it. Sure. We've seen them do it. We've seen them do it during their career. But you've got to start with the individuals, and then you start looking inwardly as a coach. All right, what am I asking them to do? All right. Do I need to? And it's not necessarily. Do I need to cut cut down? Do I need? Do I need to just just focus on what they can do the best? How do we get started? And and then you have to make plays. Look, the first play of the ball game was a great play. It was a great play. Schemed it was up. well conceived. It was. I mean, but you got to make plays. At the end of the day, in the National Football League, if you don't make plays, everything it compounds itself. And so, but but you don't you don't just throw everything out and say we're starting all over because it's not all it's not all bad it's not all but it is it is fixable but it has to be fixable immediately but you don't just go in and say you know everything we're doing is wrong because that's not true because you can point at instances in this ball game as tight as this ball game was the last one we played and I'm gonna quit talking about it because it's in the past but the thing that happens is you got two good defensive teams playing you still were field position wise had a chance to make points not not I mean you had two touchdowns called back you were down in the red zone you missed four kicks you were in the even the area to, you know, so you've got you've got to make plays when they present themselves it's not like you were always back on your own 10 yard line and never got close to their goal line you never got close enough to score and you never got close enough to kick a field goal but when you get down in those opportunities you got to cash in they had positives they had things go right the play to Johnu Smith was obviously a big play they got Derrick Henry going with 15 of his 20 carries in the second half. I mean, there were 
there were clearly some things there that gave them those opportunities. And I guess I go back to the frustration part because, man, it seemed so hard. It's like Mariota scores on the run. They really didn't get there. And then Henry finally scores. They get down the other end to start the fourth quarter. They have the two touchdowns called back. You get a feeling if you make the field goal right there, just like the Nick Williams drop a year ago in Buffalo, if you make the field goal, if you catch the Nick Williams pass, I think you win both of those games because I think you change the complexion of the momentum. Yeah, well, you've got three hours and ten minutes on every Monday, Sunday, or Thursday to get it done. And that's why every every – that's why every – and it's, you know, again – I, I don't like throwing out football cliches, but every play is important because when you start to look back on it and you start to look at just to your point, what what Daisy chained off of that, you know, and you can't play the ifs and buts where candy and nuts would all have a Merry Christmas game in right. the National Football League because that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's what you do. You do it at the time you do it. Coach Mack is right, and another thing that starts to happen as the frustration rises within a team is you start to see more and more of those mental mistakes. You start to see some People of those. People press. Yeah. You start to see some of those fouls because guys are starting to try to force things to happen. They're getting frustrated, and they're getting chippy, and all of a sudden some of the fundamentals and some of the very basic discipline things start to fall off. So then you're putting yourself in more problems because you're losing yardage and you're calling back plays, and then that compounds it even more. It just all, it can escalate so quickly. So getting in a situation where we're not coming from behind would be ideal. Well, I mean, they've, just going forward. they've been scoring in the first quarter. They have 17 first quarter points. The Titans find themselves, you know, except for Atlanta, find themselves behind in four of the five games, and it makes it a very different style of play for what you want to do. I want to turn the conversation to Taylor Lewan right now. Not for that, for another reason. So now <laughs> he's been in the news, as you may be aware. <laughs> but I want to ask you, Jim White, second week back now, second week finally getting to play with Roger Saffold, something he didn't do in training camp because he ran with the second team. Nate Davis gets a second, we assume, we don't know yet, but he could get a second straight start. That five could play together again this week after practicing all week. Could we hope that they're much more in sync against a Bronco defense, which is formidable? You would hope so. Uh, you know, that, that should be a benefit to have those guys finally be able to build some chemistry and some cohesion, but guys are going to have to play better. I mean, uh, you know, Roger Saffold stood at his locker on Monday, and, and after some people questioned whether he was trying to pass the buck on Sunday, he said, hey, I'm used to giving up one sack a season. I've given up two uh, in, in multiple games this year, so he has to play better. You know, Yes, it's great to have Taylor Wan back. He's got to play better than he did on Sunday. I didn't get the sense that he played especially well. He got the holding call right out of the gate, which is a blatant call. He should have been penalized for a roughness penalty at the end of that play, I thought, and uh, and then got into a Twitter squabble that we've kind of touched on on Monday. He just needs to concentrate and play football and play better. I mean, that's what, that's what he's here for. Sure. And I think across the board, I mean, I think that goes for everyone. Nate Davis is going to get better. He hasn't played a whole lot. I have optimism toward him as he moves ahead, but uh, – Ben Jones has had to deal with guys on each side of him, dealing with inconsistencies, and one guy's in one week, one guy's out. You got to give him credit for at least anchoring the line and keeping some, trying to keep things on track. Jack Conklin, I think, would tell you he needs to improve. So while it's good that those guys are all back, uh, you know, they've got to perform 
better and start building some chemistry. And I think they're probably uh, – I, I would think that Taylor, in the wake of, of maybe not playing that well and then being called out, I, I would hope those guys get ticked off and uh, and kind of play like it. Uh, because I've, some of the stuff that we, we brought the mail back, some of the stuff that's kind of filtered in there is, this, is the passion is missing. And why is this team not more upset after games like that? Well, after what happened on Sunday where you get beat, the opposing team's fan base kind of rubs in your face, opposing team's players rubs in your face, you're two and three, uh, get mad and start playing like it. Yeah, you know, I, let me let me just say one thing about my friend Jim White. Hope is not a strategy, okay? Resolve is a strategy. Go get it done, and that you know, and, and that that's that's what that that's what you do in the National Football League. If it doesn't go right, and it never is going to go right. I mean, there, there's been one team in the history of the league that's gone undefeated. Am I correct? Correct. Okay, so I mean, there and they tell you ga- about it every yeah, year. Been a few <laughs> games played. Yeah, how, so, how would so, you ever remember? Yeah, so look. <laughs> You have to bounce back in the National Football League, and you have to be able to put yourself, get yourself, back up on the floor individually, collectively, and then then as a group. That's what you do, and you don't do it by hoping about it. You you go do it. You but cohesion it could make a difference. The cohesion makes all the difference in the world. And getting work. I mean, Lawan hasn't practiced for a month. Nate Davis missed four or five weeks, whatever it was. That's why. That's why you've got a practice field, and that's right. why they're out there all the time working on. It. You can't do anything about what has happened in the past. The fact that Taylor Lawan was not here. Okay, right. he's here now. He's here now, and that. That's well, and he's got to play like the three-time Pro Bowler. I mean, I think that's what Jim's saying is, but. Would we have a better chance to see a more accurate look at him based on the fact that he's gotten work under his belt now and now he's probably back into some sort of routine? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't care how good you are. It's hard coming off the street after not playing football for a month and all of a sudden being thrown in as to where you're playing. I mean, you know, there was an instance in the game where they didn't, he and Roger didn't pass off a game. You know, and, and it, it, re, it resulted in, in, a, in a pressure. And then later on in the game, they had the same game. They passed it off perfectly. So you want to be able to do it every time, and that's what the practice field is for. Let's talk about big people. Big Jeff <laughs> is Jeffrey Simmons. He is eligible to come off the non-football injury list, which is the same in terms of the regulations as the physically unable to perform. By being put on NFI to begin the season, he had to miss the first six games. He is eligible to begin practicing on Monday, people are very excited about that possibility. Explain the regulation of what he can do after Sunday. Well, as early as Monday, he can be on the practice field working and put himself in a position to play. and Without having to be activated right, right, initially. Right, and... Uh, Based on what we saw during the course of training camp and based on what we've seen uh, in that time since, you know, I fully expect him to be able to do that right when the window opens up. And uh, some people, I think, scoffed at questions uh, right before the cut down to 53 of whether or not Jeffrey Simmons could be on there. And I think that that was a, a scenario that was – pondered uh, because that way you wouldn't have had to wait until after week six you could have started to practice in week three and week four and then getting them in even sooner than a week seven game but ended up placing him on the nfi 
where they're now dealing with the with certainly the guidelines where you can't practice until next Monday, but I expect him to practice next Monday, and uh, I do think it's a realistic scenario that he's out there playing against the Chargers the, fi- the very next Sunday. At the moment that he begins practice, you have three weeks to make a decision, but the, the truth is he could play from a, from a rules and regulation standpoint. They could activate him. He could play against the Chargers. Dave McGinnis, if he does that, having never practiced with the Titans, which he has not, he's done things, you know, in terms of his rehab, but he was not involved in OTAs, he was not involved in minicamp, he was not involved in training camp, he has not been able to practice for the last six weeks, but unlike a suspension-type situation, he's been in the building, he's been here working how hard would that be for him to play against the Chargers a week from Sunday? Well, let's just keep her powder dry. Okay, now. but I'm, that's why I'm asking the question. Let's keep her powder dry on this. They're doing. They are doing exactly what they need to do, and that's why when you have someone coming off NFI, you've got a three-week window. Right. That's why that that that's why you do that, and they're not going. They're not going to rush him in there until he is ready to play. And I think that what you do, my experience of having brought these guys back, you want them at least to go through a couple of weeks of practice just to get back into it and start seeing it. You start to ramp up because when he first immediately goes out to practice, the first time he's on the field, he's he's not he's going to be testing it. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be going full speed. He's not going to be going full at it. And there's a, there's a lot to it as far as the speed of it when it ramps up from practice early on to later on practices and then if you ramping up into a ball game so he's on a on the right track they've done the the right thing with him we've all watched him out there work with Mike Vrabel we watched him work with Todd we've watched him work with all of these guys we've watched Todd him. Torricelli yes, the head who, of the training staff who's, who's doing a great job and, and we've seen all of this but it, it there's a difference between being able to come back and being ready to play a game. Well, and to Coach Mack's point, the last time that he was in a football practice or the last time he played a football game was in college. Right. The speed of the game is dramatically different True. In, at the professional level. So not only is he testing an injury, not only is he trying to you know, actually do this game plan and everything that he has been taking mental reps on, I think he knows it, but to actually execute it is another level. And then to execute it at great speed that he is not used to is a different layer. But to your caution, you're saying if he does begin practice on Monday as a Titans fan, don't assume that he plays against the Chargers. Yes, that's 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 my point. And if he does, it's great for everybody. But if he does, it will be because he's ready to. And they will they will ascertain that out here. But don't just assume because he practices, he comes back ready to practice, that he's going to immediately play that week. And the other part of it, too, is I'm guessing he'll be on some sort of pitch count. Well, sure. In terms of what he gets to do. So if you're preparing for a game... Can you take him into a game knowing you've only got him for so many snaps anyway? Is that best to try to win this particular game when you don't have to activate him for three weeks? Well, and here, then that's why you have that three-week period. Because right. if, he, if he's activated on Sunday, you understand you don't get another guy just because right. he's coming back. You've got to take somebody off. And, and then now how many, how many defensive lines? It, it all has to work. It all has to fit together, okay? 
And so when you take somebody into a ball game, and, and you know if I'm taking somebody in as a defensive lineman, he can only play this many snaps, well, guess what? Somebody else is going to have to play more snaps to make up for those snaps. So it all has to fit. One strategy question, though. The Titans have largely been, through the course of the year, a team that's played two defensive linemen. It's largely been Jones and Casey. And then they've played five defensive backs. If and when Simmons comes back and he's able to help, does he rotate with those guys or do you refunction a package if you're Dean Pease where you have all three of them on the field more often? Well, the reason you've played 4-2-5 is because you've played a lot of 11 personnel teams. Okay. I mean, that's you know, you're getting you're this team that that, that we're we're playing this week, they have a fullback. I mean, they run a lot of 21 personnel where you're going to need people down front. You're going to need people down front to be able to go in and, and, and take on a fullback and do those things. So it, it's it's personnel matchup packages that is the reason they've been playing so much 4-2-5 because even if people play 12 personnel, which is two tight ends and two wide outs, one of those tight ends normally in the National Football League now is just a big receiver okay. that, that, that that's moved out. But if you if you go into this ball game, it's just, I mean, this is the same offense as San Francisco's offense. If anybody's watched San Francisco's offense, what they're doing, I mean, they're playing, they're, they've, you know, Shanahan has always played with a fullback. Well, that's exactly what's going on right now. They're playing with a fullback. You know, they're playing with a guy that's going to that's going to be a fullback in there. So that makes a difference defensively how you game plan and how you deploy your personnel. But can Simmons play a different position on the defensive line than Daquan Jones and Jarrell Casey to where you could end up with all three of them on the field at the same time in terms of his skill set? Well, absolutely. I mean, he can play a three technique. He can play a shade. I mean, he could play a five technique. I mean – he can do whatever he wants. I mean, and I'm I'm serious when I say that because when I vetted and watched this guy, I came into your office before we even drafted him, and we're just watching. And I said, "Here's the dude," and now he's our dude. Yes, I like that. Pretty exciting. Be uh, be good to get him in there coming off a win. Whoo! By the way, in terms of places you go, where do you rank Denver? Empower Field at yeah, Mile I mean, High. Yeah, what's cool is, is this is the first time we've been there, what, since 2013? Yes. Since so, the 51-28 to 28 seven degree yes. game. So there's so much newness to it. I always look forward to going. And, uh, uh, you know, certainly some special places around, but we just have been there so infrequently that I'm, I'm really looking forward to the – to the trip I'm, look, I'm glad we're going on sunday and not tomorrow you know the forecast tomorrow in denver is a high 30 low of 12 with snow when it's 80 there today they're talking about a 60 degree drop <laughs> from the high today to the low tomorrow and snow and then for sunday back to beautiful. 70 yep. that'll, that'll mess with luck. your sinuses yes the, uh, denver it is the best visiting locker room setup in the league why is that well, because it's it's massive. I mean, and they do. I mean, and, and when they when they did that redid that stadium, they put so much thought into that. And as a as a as a visiting team, you know, I've never worked for Denver, but I've played there several times in the new one. You pull your bus right up to the door of the dressing room. You open the bus door, and you're right there. Okay. okay, and then when you go in, you know sometimes when you're in a visitor's locker room, you know, you know, Halsey and his equipment guys have got to work with a little cramped space, and you've got that. It is the best visiting locker room in the National Football League. Space room, you can have defensive meetings, you can have offensive meetings. The coaches' dressing room is—I mean, it is set up 
for the National Football League. That's my take on it. I've Where do you been. rank it? I've never been. You've never been to Denver. This is my very first time. It's top five for me. And I tell people, if you're going to make a trip, this is one of the five you should make. Because the atmosphere is, it's, it's a college and pro atmosphere combined. Now, to me, to me, it, it, is, it is up there. To me, to me, my top three as far as if you want atmosphere, mm-hmm. as a visiting, just to go see, sure. Denver's one, Green Bay's one, and Seattle's one. I have Kansas City in there, too. It's loud in Kansas it's City. It's loud. It's not as beautiful. The no, but their parking lot situation the with the baseball. I-70 is. Well, oh, I know, but the, the baseball stadium. situation is beautiful. The design of what they did to build the baseball stadium and the football stadium together 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. 50 years ago they came up, and so the tailgating is unreal there. But I, I'm I'm looking at it from a visiting coach aspect because sure. the the visiting locker room at Kansas City trash. I mean, it is. It's not fabulous. N- well, it's one of, it's it's one of those where you better know your buddy real well because you're really close <laughs> when you're dressing and undressing. <laughs> I'll just say that. I don't like stadiums where I have to walk too far to get places. Kansas City, you've got a hall. And Green Bay, you've really got a hall. I'll tell you what, I was I almost died in Green Bay. All that walking. Hoo-wee. You get your workout. I like the convenient ones. All right. Jim Wyatt, tell people how they can follow you on Twitter. At Jay Wyatt Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Amy Wells. At Titans Amy, A-M-I-E. All right. And you can follow Coach Mack and I on Titans Radio with Amy. We'll be on the air at 2.30 Central Time on Sunday from Empower Field at Mile High. <laughs> Just feel like you have to be a big voice guy to say that. <laughs> I'm not, but I I wish I was. You are, Mike. At Power Field at Bile High, two thirty Central Time, three twenty five kickoff. So uh, make your plans for uh, being around the radio, gather as a family, and build a fire. For Coach Dave McGinnis, Amy Wells, and the great Jim White, I'm Mike Keith. Thank you so much for listening to today's edition of the OTP.